Welcome, everybody, to the Katie and Me podcast. I am Chris Hutchinson, and as always, joined by my podcasting partner, Katie Rogers. Katie, how are you today? Hey, Chris, I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Good to see you. We are uh, still coming to you via Zoom. So it's mm-hmm. Katie and I in, in different parts of the world, and producer Pete is sitting in his palatial home studio office, uh, (laughs) managing all of the editing today. Ooh, he put up a background of like a villa. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty accurate. I've, I've, uh, I know where he lives and that's probably actually a, a, (laughs) a still photo of his back patio. So good to be back with you, Katie. We took a little bit of a hiatus for a couple of reasons and actually one of our show topics today, um, I did get COVID and we're going to talk a little bit about that later. And then we also got hit with the holidays and uh, life and just a lot's obviously been going on. So it's great to be back with you. And, you know, I think a real timely topic, you're going to kind of kick things off here, but you're going to talk to us a little bit about civics and what a democratic republic is and hopefully provide some information and background for folks that are probably having a lot of conversations in light of uh, what's happened recently here in early 2021. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to learn some things and, and uh, educate our listeners. So with that, Katie, uh, I'll kick it over to you. Hey, thanks, Chris. And I should say that my enthusiastic I'm good is to be um, followed up by all things considered until the pandemic is over, right? So um, it's a very qualified I'm good. It's in this moment I am functioning. And I think that everybody's kind of in that boat right now. Yeah. And um, I think I think sometimes it's a fake it till you make it. We've talked about that before. Yeah. And uh, you almost have to power through with positivity, even though we aren't necessarily all feeling super positive all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's accurate. That's accurate. I am trying to deal with not just everything that's happening with children being home from school, but of course we've had this added layer of news coming at us about the transfer of power in the United States and Mm -hmm. with the kids at home, and I have to say, I am I am fine with my kids' um, civics homework, the little bit that they get from social studies class. But I have noticed they have some very basic questions when the news is on, which is fair. And uh, one of the things we need to do is encourage those questions and uh, even look them up together if I don't know the answers. So in an exchange with another adult, I realized there are a lot of people, um, a lot of us are very far removed from really having to ever know a whole lot of our civics that we grew up with or realizing Mm -hmm. that we should know them. And and I have been having conversations with people just kind of feeling out like, where are we on our civics knowledge? Mm -hmm. And I've been doing that a while, you know, I'm kind of aggressive about my, my learning there. So yeah, this isn't the first time that you and I have have talked about this. Usually it's over coffee. And again, pre-pandemic, we we would cover a number of topics and and we've definitely had conversations about this, but nothing to the level of, of what we've seen recently. Right. Um, It's added, it's added so many so many different moving parts. It has, it has. And it's, it's hard to, you know, do everything you have to do and lead your life. And then all of a sudden have this thing that you really need to understand that when things are going well is off your radar completely, Mm -hmm. right? When things are going well, no one is thinking about the structure of anything political or geopolitical. So anyway, so I, you know, I, I had thought about doing um, like a civics 101 podcast Mm -hmm. with the kids. There's the 60 second civics and crash course has a government politics, which we did a few years ago, which is really excellent. And then, uh, PBS and NPR have civics podcasts and YouTube videos. And those are all really great resources. But 
you know, we don't have that much time. So I thought I'd run through just some real basic stuff today and maybe we can touch back on some different things in the future. But what I really want everybody to do is kind of think about where the gaps are in their own knowledge. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what? I have no idea how a bill becomes a law. I have no idea um, what makes us different from, you know, another country in our region or Mm -hmm. anything else. So I just want people to start looking those things up and looking for very concrete, you know, base sources and citations yeah. for information and and don't get caught up in anything scandalous. Just go, oh, what is this? And get something that's so objective. You, so you mentioned a couple, Katie, you mentioned NPR and I think you mentioned PBS. Mm-hmm. And then you said there's also resources on YouTube. I think we do as best a job on the show as we can in terms of leveraging acceptable, you know, media sources and, and, and media formats. Did you have any specific YouTube channels? What I don't want to have happen is people necessarily maybe going into biased or slanted. Um, oh, yes, war, that's a great holes. point. That's um, a great point. I had to do something recently to break down the anatomy of a conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, I had to research the most popular conspiracy theories right now. And yeah. now the suggestions on my YouTube are just oh, I'm sure absurd and obscene. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, no, definitely go to, and I, I say this because so many of us only stream to get video content. Mm-hmm. So this is why I'm saying go to PBS on YouTube. You can call oh, gotcha. it what you want, when you want. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and um, back to that, is this media or is this actually journalism thing? PBS is held accountable for their content. And so yes, um, that's a reliable thing you can do. They have lots of explainers. The show Frontline is excellent in mm-hmm. that regard. So highly Perfect. recommend I just that. wanted to clarify that so that we weren't sending people off into. Oh yeah. Good call. Weird rabbit holes and, uh, <laughs> good call. YouTube is actually one of the, yeah. YouTube is a driver for misinformation because mm-hmm. It's so expansive that anything you want to confirm, like anything, mm-hmm. you can find somebody who claims a credential to confirm. And it's really, it's tricky. I monitor my kids on there really closely because I've noticed that the algorithm will suggest things that they don't have the um, intellectual tools yet to understand immediately that they're a problem. Well, I, I have yet to put in a Google search where something doesn't come up. So (laughs) everyone has thought of something and has probably come up with, you know, their own spin on it. So yeah, Mm -hmm. since since the internet is invented, I have not found, I haven't been able to say up, I finally found, I finally tricked the internet. So (laughs) you're right. No matter what you think or any conspiracy theory, there's probably somebody out there that's like purveying that as a, you know, as a, as a logical thought line. It it completely is. And you know what I actually thought about on this episode, maybe I should print out the test that my friends who immigrated here had to take and pass Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they're way better versed in basic U.S. civics than any of my friends who were born here, yeah. <laughs> but including those of us in political science, right? Because it's it's just this great basic rundown. But but I thought I'm just going to hit on a few things. That can I, can that, I add one more thing? I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. I'm like totally hijacking your topic, but it's made me think about something. Have you seen the the social dilemma yet? The kind of su- mm-hmm. the documentary on Netflix. Yeah, I, I just think that we're going to get into the civics, but that's a perfect and very real example for anybody that has kids or teenagers of how very easy it is to get pulled or uh, you know sucked into a point of view and how once you kind of start uncovering or responding to certain messages, how much more you're going to get bombarded with those. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can we can maybe, that's another whole show topic, but based on what you've said, I mean, I think it's really important that as we get into this, 
that people have to understand the difference between entertainment and journalism and, you know, uh, news sources. So I, I think I've probably made my point, but let's make sure that as people do some, hopefully this inspires people to do some more research and learn more about our democratic republic and civics, that they're going to uh, neutral fact-based sources. Mm-hmm. And with that, now I promise I'll be quiet. <laughs> now I'll, I'll just pick some some um, real basic stuff out of here and we can answer questions as people send them to our social in the future. Okay. So the constitution that we're using right now is actually really our second constitution. The first constitution um, would have been the Articles of Confederation. And those were um, written and approved in 1777 and they were enforced by 1781. Yeah, okay. about four years later. Yep. So um, they had to be ratified, right? And that was the first original 13. That was their governing document. But mm-hmm. it didn't have a strong enough federal component to it to work. So it didn't work. So the Constitution that we're using right now was um, kind of a do-over. Mm-hmm. So they went they went, and that was uh, written in 1787 or kind of wrapped up the writing. It was a long process. And then ratified by the states, I wrote this down just a year later, I think on this one. Yeah, just a year later. And um, the following year, 1789, that was put into force. So the founders didn't plan or didn't anticipate the constitution being able to be used as long as it has been. Right. So uh, that's the thing I think people don't understand is that they weren't planning for hundreds of years with that document. Mm -hmm. What they did do though, is they knew it would have to be changed and they knew everything, you know, would change. And they thought to give it the best chance at longevity, they made it something that we could ratify or that, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, that we could change and amend. And so, um, so that's why we have the amendment process. Mm -hmm. And it's actually been quite a while since we've had an amendment, but yeah, so that's kind of just very basic thing. We've really only been a democracy with asterisks, full enfranchisement, like the majority of adults voting for about 55 years. So the voting rights act was in 1965. But yeah, about 55 years. And then I think it was 1971 before people 18 years old could vote. Like we dropped the voting age down. Okay. Right. So it was a document that only enfranchised certain people. Currently, you have felons in several states that can't vote. Mm -hmm. So that's why I put an asterisk by full enfranchisement. Wasn't there a state recently that just allowed for... It was a big deal because I think it was a red state. Maybe it was Florida, Florida. Ju- just Florida, um, yeah. came up with a way in the last few years for felons to get their right to vote back. Okay, gotcha. But they they made it very, very difficult for them to do. Okay. And in fact, I want to say it was um, Mike Bloomberg as a candidate who spent a lot of money helping people get their vote back. Okay. That state yeah, after I, I after remember. he had left the race and everything, he had said he would help with a bunch of money and and um they had made the hurdles too high for most people. So okay. So he yeah, that was I remember, an of his, I remember but, hearing that. So yeah, yeah. So we're constantly wrestling with this. We've been wrestling with this reality. Who should get to vote? Now here's here's the thing that I don't think most people realize is that people in like the US Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico and Guam, they're US citizens. Right. They cannot vote in the presidential election. They have no representation. I know. So they're disenfranchised citizens, right? Um, So when you hear about people uh, talking about statehood for places like Puerto Rico, you have U.S. citizens who don't have full full ability to participate because they don't even have they don't even have senate representation right state Uh, or or, or congressional representation right right they don't have they don't have representatives and so um or representatives with voting the ability to vote okay but yeah it's it's um it's a lack of 
ability to participate that the rest of the U.S. is, I mean, they are citizens, right? right? But we have a different relationship with places that we've... we've, um, Katie, I've always had the question of, with this with this experiment that clearly isn't perfect and <laughs> and um you know i think we've we've seen uh we've seen that kind of unfold recently that there are there are some significant gaps or cracks in in the in the experiment but i've always wondered why we haven't um ensured that as many people as possible participate and have the have the opportunity to vote now it's a political issue and we don't have to go down that rabbit hole, but just in, in generally speaking, the whole idea was to go to a place where we essentially could make, I was going to say make better rules for everybody, but that's not even entirely true. But um, you know, I, 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 you know, to me, it's just, if you want the experiment to work, you need to have everybody that's available to participate. They should have the ability to participate. Uh, what's the worst, what's the worst, what's the worst that's going to happen is we're going to have, you know, 75, 80% of our population vote instead of, you know, 50 or 60%. Um, Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a really um, pertinent and common discussion that people have. And after my stint in the political realm, party politics, Mm -hmm. um, it's a strategy issue. And so, and, and it's an issue that's been in discussion since that very first round, that very first articles of confederation, Mm -hmm. right? Because I mean, even as they were writing the constitution that we use now, the, the foundational document, there was a huge debate and really Ben Franklin was kind of the only one that said ever as many people as possible should get to participate. Right. Everyone else was kind of like, which landowner? Yeah, exactly. You know, like it was, right. it was right. very, very yeah. in favor of federalism. So, mm-hmm. and producer PIC threw up a note that says um, that Guam and Puerto Rico, they are unincorporated territories and not represented by votes. So, so it's just, a, it's just yeah. an interesting fact that I don't remember from back when it didn't stick when I was a kid. So another thing about our country, and I've seen, Back to the social media thing. Mm-hmm. I've seen people say things like, we're not a republic, we're a democracy. And we're mm-hmm. not a democracy, we're a republic. And mm-hmm. eh. <laughs> mm-hmm. so we are a democratic republic. And a democratic republic, I hate to, I don't call it a hybridization of the two. There are overlapping principles in republics and democracies. And we uh, utilize the principles that overlap of the two. Um, so there's representation mm-hmm. and there's voting, right? So there's, we're both. Right. So anytime you see somebody say, we're not one, we're the other, mm-hmm. that is, that is not accurate. Right. Um, that was a little, that was That's a little spin. bit of disinformation that went around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, and then I'm going to swing us, I'm going to swing us forward here. Um, in 1923, there was a thing called the beer hall putsch uh-huh. and P-U-T-S-C-H. And um, that's when the Nazis tried to overthrow the government Mm -hmm. prior to their takeover. And um, given what happened on the 6th of January, I thought it would be interesting to just talk about the difference between a putsch and a coup. Mm -hmm. It's very simple. So a coup is traditionally a military overthrow of the government. And we see this happen around the world fairly regularly, right? right. We've been involved in these on both sides. Like right. we've supported the military doing it. We've supported governments resisting it. And we play with other people's governments all the time. Absolutely. Um, right. But that's a coup. Mm-hmm. So when you look at the events on January 6th, a putsch might be a better term because that is when it's a non-military, non-state 
um, entity mm-hmm. trying to um, overthrow or change the government or force the government's hand in regard to uh, who's in control. So that's a term you might see around right now. And I thought we, that was not a big thing. If you weren't talking about World War One, World War II history, you may not be super familiar with that word, but now it's starting to pop up in headlines. So yeah. when just you, a little bit of information doing, to give context. Yeah. And when we were doing pre-show notes uh, and you mentioned that, I'm not going to lie. I had to go and refresh myself on, on what it was. Uh, oh, don't lie. We all have to look words no, up. Otherwise, you're not learning anything. I was like, oh, shit. Katie's talking about something that I don't have a clue about. I'm going to have to like, I'm gonna have to do some research here. Um, but I, I, once you like, once you started talking about the beer hall stuff, I'm like, oh, yeah. It started, yeah, it started see, kind of filtering back to me. But that's I why I like, mentioned oh, that. That's, a good that's like the one thing in history right. class most of us got on that. <laughs> yeah. Something tied to beer halls. I can remember that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you would, you would categorize the, the, uh, the events or the attack on the Capitol building more as a push because it wasn't, it wasn't like military sponsored. It was yeah. indiv- like more individuals. Yes. It was, it was primarily citizenry. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, and of course, I mean, there were legislators involved mm-hmm. and there were different people involved that have some, position yeah but, um but yeah. you know and it's something Including. i'm not talking about on the podcast but that i have to talk about in in my offline life is is um we had mentioned conspiracy theories and so right. i'm seeing and always do when you're monitoring conspiracy theories i'm seeing so much misuse of words like this yeah. and so kind of frustrating like the thing i kind of want to yell at people when they buy into that garbage is like just definitions of words like you're just mm-hmm. using these words wrong stop it's it you know? like, don't it's take advantage salad. of people who haven't lit the words up yet yeah yeah it's just it's really frustrating um but it's a way you know it, the assumption that people are um uh not going to look words up and so when someone intentionally misuses it going, ah, my audience isn't going to check. Like, I right. just find it so shady. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like just so condescending and cruddy. And ugh. anyway, I have talked way too long. Oh, no, no. And I, I'm going to really blame good. your input. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I scaled shocking. my notes back so much. But that's <laughs> it. But but so the other disaster right now, right? The other, right. The, the biggest thing on the planet right now, besides the declining U.S. democracy, Mm-hmm. pandemic. Mm, yeah. So I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, COVID and dealing with COVID. Uh, but before we do that, I would like to recognize one of our show partners, and that is Audible. If you're not familiar with Audible, Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers to celebrity memoirs, news, business, and self-development. And we talk about this every time, but I know, Katie, you are a massive supporter of Audible. Mm -hmm. And you would probably love for people to get a free trial book from Audible. And we would love for you to go and get a free trial. And to do that, we ask that you please visit audibletrial.com backslash Katie and me podcast. And Katie is always spelled K-A-T-Y. So thanks to our friends at Audible. Also, we love your input and show ideas, so feel free to follow us on social media. On Twitter, we're at Katie and Me Pod, Instagram at Katie and Me Podcast, or you can email myself or Katie, and my email address is Chris at Katie and Me.com. 
or katie at katieandme.com. And Katie is always K-A-T-Y. So yeah, in addition to what you talked about, uh, obviously, unless you've lived in Iraq, in which case you probably don't have access to this podcast, we are dealing with a global pandemic. Uh, and and uh, COVID has now killed um, well over 300,000 people in this country. And we are at a rate now where and I don't have the most recent stats in front of me, but people are dying at an unprecedented daily rate. And part of why I thought this was a uh, a good partner topic was that there's people that are kind of expressing whether or not they they should have to wear a mask. Uh, and, and this was like kind of tying into you know rights and um, kind of the whole concept of democracy and people having rights. I'm not going to go down that wormhole, but I will say that I have been one from very early on that has been a massive proponent of masks and have also, um, I took social distancing very seriously and uh, tried to, and I stayed away from from bars and restaurants for for a very long time and still am. Um, Katie knows me well enough to know that one of my things that I like to enjoy is, uh, you know, I'll go to, I had, had a couple favorite bars. Uh, fortunately, both of them have closed uh, because of the pandemic permanently. Uh, but I would go to a bar um, sometimes by myself and I would meet people there and have conversations. And it stems just from me being social, but also I did it a lot with my job on the pint cycle. And it was just a great way to, to have good, bad, and indifferent conversations with people. And it was something I really enjoyed. So uh, I haven't been doing that. I was um, I was very much wearing a mask. My employer, we moved to fully online and digital. So I wasn't going to work. I was working from home. I still continue to work from home. And, and quite honestly, we'll probably work from home as long as they allow me to, um, because I, I'm, I'm super excited that there's a vaccine. I will be in line to get it. Um, I would not want to skip lines and, and jump in front of people that I think need it, uh, you know, frontline workers, et cetera, and older folks. And so I'm going to wait patiently and uh, wait my turn and I will yeah. get the booster every year like I do with the flu shot. I'm not worried that there's a tracker in the vaccine or that it is not yet fully tested. And not that those, some of those thoughts aren't, no, oh, the tracker is ridiculous. The tracker is hilarious. No, but, I, I mean, saw someone post very seriously, uh, like here's yeah. the map of the tracker. Oh, and it okay. was like a circuit board for like well, a drone. Like it wasn't. Yeah. And I mean, for the love of God, you have a tracker in your phone. I mean, it's not, if they want, like if the government or whoever wants to know who you are, they already do. I, I mean, it's not even, it's not even close. Like your computer. Yeah, the same people worried about it are inciting violence on social right. media. I feel like they're on the radar. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, so, but you know, I, so I've been, a, I've been a big, I feel like I was very cautious and careful. My wonderful wife, was cautious, but probably not as cautious. And maybe, and although she wasn't reckless in her behavior, but her and I definitely didn't see eye to eye on every component of this, you know, between kids needing to be homeschooled and, you know, it's been, it's been a hell of a year, right? So there's been a a lot of conversations and um, we don't always agree on everything, but overall, I, I think we were, we were pretty, we attempted to be pretty, pretty safe. But in spite of that, uh, we we did get COVID as a family, and fortunately, everybody is okay. But it is not it's not a joke. I'm I just turned forty eight. Old man alert uh, here a few weeks ago. Please, and I'm 
I, you know, I, I'm, I'm relatively healthy. I work out pretty aggressively four times a week. I probably don't eat great. And I definitely probably drink sometimes more than I should. I'll get but, back to hounding you after the pandemic's over. <laughs> I'm eating better sometimes, but, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm relatively, you know, pretty healthy. Mm-hmm. And, um, my, my wife was with some friends and several days later, she's like, I can't smell or taste anything. And of course my initial reaction, uh, being the always calm and level-headed Irishman that I am was like, I rattle off about 15 F-bombs and I was like, yeah, I told you not to go out, blah, blah, blah. So (laughs) I'm just being honest. Like I'm, I'm not a perfect human. So, um, (laughs) so, uh, I have faults, plenty of them. So I, we went and we got tested and my daughter went as well. And, uh, Leela tested positive in on this day that we were going to get tested, which isn't, you know, we, we kind of got lucky, like our ability to get tested in Fisher's, you know, we were gonna have to wait several more days and, and something opened up at, at the community health center in um, the community medical center, or whatever in Fishers. And we were able to go on a day that I was feeling really bad. I had mm. fever, I had aches, like walking up the, down the stairs was really, really hard. Uh, just mm. uncontrollable shakes for some, you know, and so we went to get tested and I was having these, these symptoms and we got the the speeded up test. I can't remember what it's called. It's been a long year, Katie, but we got the, <laughs> yeah, the rapid test. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Rapid test, speeded up test. Good Lord. Um, so <laughs> Leela came back, <laughs> Leela came back positive. Uh, my daughter came back positive and mine came back inconclusive, but the doctor said, <laughs> you're the sick one. <laughs> you're, you have a lot of symptoms and you're in a house with two other people that are positive. You yeah. need to treat this as positive. And I was like, you think like, no kidding. I'm like, yeah. I felt like I was dying. So yeah, that false, the false negative rate has been a concern the whole time. Yeah. Yes. But um, the, the rapid test that we had, because we asked the doctors about them, and again, Fisher's is, is pretty affluent and the, the tech and the technology and the equipment they had was about the best that we were going to find. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I felt, I felt confident, but I knew that I had it because it wasn't like anything I'd ever felt before. I was really fortunate in that I didn't lose my, my taste uh, or my smell. My wife, Leela is still not a hundred percent. And this was, this was in early, early November. In fact, one of the reasons why we've been away for so long is because we weren't able to do episodes because I literally felt like hot garbage for two to three weeks. And this kind of kept kicking back up as well. So for me, my, and again, people's symptoms are different, but other than the taste and smell and a little bit of a cough, my wife was, was pretty okay. A little bit of fatigue, but nothing, nothing major. (laughs) My daughter had like a dry cough for maybe 24 hours, but she's, you know, 13 and a half and she bounced back relatively quickly. I, who I've had in the past, and I I do have asthma uh, to some extent. I've also, I've had bad, I've had pneumonia before, uh, wicked sinus infections throughout most of my life. And so I don't know if maybe you know, my internal stuff is just a little bit more worn down, but I never to the point where I like couldn't breathe, but I would get extremely winded. I walking up and downstairs was exhausting. And again, 
just horrific aches, like joint pain and um, not really being able to get up out of bed very easily and just crazy fevers. And, and I would take my temperature and it wouldn't necessarily be 102 or 103. It would show just a slight fever. But I was, this is, this is the disgusting part, but we were, my wife and I were sleeping in separate beds. There were a couple nights, Katie, where it was like someone had brought in three or four major buckets of water. And I would wake up in the middle of the night, like the entire bed was soaked. And it was like me breaking uh-huh. some type of, of fever. And that right. happened a couple times and it scared the crap out of me because mm-hmm. I've had bad fevers before and you wake up and your pillow's wet or whatever. And you're like, oh, okay, maybe I broke my fever. It was like, I was in a, like a waiting pool. I'm like, mm-hmm. Hey, this is disgusting. And B like, th- I, sh- I shouldn't be sweating this much. This is, so it was kind of scary. Yeah. And, and then I, you know, then I would feel better. And so like the idiot I am, I was trying to, to work and take meetings far too early than I should have. Mm-hmm. And I would hit like noon or one o'clock uh, on a day if I had meetings or was on calls. And uh, I would like be falling asleep at my desk. And yeah, I you to- sounded terrible. When I touched base <laughs> with you, I was like, geez. Yeah, I, yeah, I did. And I didn't look very good either. Well, you know, that's, I guess, common. But um, so, <laughs> so, um, I would, you know, I'm like, oh, maybe I'm feeling better. And I wake up, I'm like, hey, I don't feel bad. I, you know, put in a full day of work today. And then I would just like, it, it was like a spiral down. So then I'm like, oh man, all right, I'm not better. And I would be done for the day, like one or two in the afternoon. And I, I wouldn't wake up until the next morning. So finally, wow. after, yeah, finally, after like a little over two weeks of that, I felt, you know, stable and started working, you know, pretty regularly and was keeping an eye on my fatigue. And and for me, it was like, well, can I go and can I get back to, to working out? And uh, I was able to do that. And so then I was kind of like, okay, I, I think, you know, I think I'm through this. Um, and I know we're, we try and keep these at 30. So we're coming up on time, but what I want to share is that it's a real thing. And, and I think people continue to think that, well, it really, you know, it really only impacts older people, really only, you know, the majority of the people that are passing away are older. And, you know, yeah, people are getting it, but it's not that serious. And kids are recovering and it's not that big a deal. What, what, I, what I want people to really understand is that I was very fortunate that I didn't have to go back to the hospital and take up any more of the, the frontline workers time. Because, what people aren't realizing is even if it is primarily older people or your grandparents or your parents, there's still people that you generally care about. And if, (laughs) if doctors are working to save those people in what can be an incredibly invasive virus, there's not as much time for you when you have a broken arm or you uh, have kidney stones, or you're having an appendicitis, or any or all of emergency. And you can spread it to those high-risk people. Right. Even if you don't feel like crud, you could spread it to someone that could kill. Like, I just, you know, like, they're like, it's not, it's just like a flu. A, it's not, and B, gross. The flu sucks and kills people. Yeah, so I, I get a little frustrated with it. I mean, and you know, three of the people that I've lost to COVID were under 60. I don't know if I told you that, two in their 40s, one in their 50s. I don't think I knew that. 
Yeah. So I tried not to say that stuff to you because you were sick for so long. I didn't want to be like, people are dying around me, Chris. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't think I, I think you told me, but I think I forgot. So I'm sorry. Yeah. The beekeeper at my farm, we lost the beekeeper at my farm. And, um, that's horrible. It is. It is horrible. And I was so worried about you, but it's not a thing where you want to like dump that worry on the person and start going, Oh my God, Chris, control the inflammation. You know, like you already have medical advice and you don't yeah. need me worry you so I just worried to myself well, thanks for worrying that's nice I appreciate you worrying about it of course are you kidding <laughs> and I have I have um one of the volunteers that I'm very close to on a personal level on my farm she and her two early 20s sons and uh their roommate are all positive right now and they're all very you know they're health nuts which is great um and not very old but it's just uh it's still it's nerve-wracking you just yeah after getting after getting you know notified by text about people dying you just go this is a weird world like we're not going to the funerals so when we resume any kind of like normal social interaction these people are just going to be absent and i'm really struggling to process yeah. that and i'm just i'm so relieved that you finally got better because i i was as you know you would call and postpone our tapings and right. tapings how old am i whatever <laughs> this is called and uh, <laughs> and uh I, I was just like, I, I was just like, please, please don't relapse. Cause I mean, you said your wife, you know, still has like residuals and it took a while. Yeah. And it, I do, I have people good. in my life who were sick back this summer and have had to be readmitted to the hospital this fall and winter. And that is just like, Oh, well, the, other, the other thing that people don't realize is that, is that there are, there are variations or varietals of the strain. So, I mean, a lot of people's excuses, well, I don't need to wear a mask anymore because I already got it. Well, you don't know what new strain is out there and people around you don't know that you've already had it. And just be a better human yeah. and wear your goddamn mask <laughs> yeah. when you're out in public. Right. The people like, around you don't know. We right. think you're being a jerk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And That's just put, exactly put, it. put other people's minds at ease, right? Like, yeah like love thy neighbor, like treat people the way that you want to be treated. And so, I mean, there's a whole other issue there, but you know, we're not, I, 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 I would love for us to go back to whatever normal is, but I am probably, I mean, Asia has been wearing masks forever. And there's some of that is like because of industrial smoke and, and stuff like that. But yeah, but they're not big babies about it. Uh, no, but they, but they, I mean, even pre-pandemic, I mean, it was yeah. not uncommon for, you know, China and Asian countries. It's just part of their culture where a lot of people would wear masks when they're out and about because of whether it's, you know, air pollutants or, you know, the potential of spreading germs. I, I, you know, I, I might be wearing a mask at the grocery store for the foreseeable future, even like after yeah. everybody is vaccinated because, um, I'm still not shaking people's hands. At most, I'll give somebody an elbow bump. Um, <laughs> can close can close talkers be a thing of the past? If, yeah, Please. Like, that was annoying before, face. and now no. I might throat punch you. Like, <laughs> exactly. get away from me! I I hate other people's spittle anyway. Yeah. And now I'm just like, oh, contagion. Yeah. I mean, I do want to get to the point where we can go, but you know, I can relax and go back to restaurants and and that kind of stuff. I I, I want that, and I miss that. Um, but. And I, and I miss, you know, contact with my friends, but not at the cost of like, you know, putting additional lives at risk or, you know, it's still, it's still, we're relatively young in what this 
what the the total outcome of this pandemic is is going to look like. And, yeah, and we're about to roll over four hundred thousand deaths in this country. Well, and because of uh, I'm trying so hard not to make this political, but because of our inability as a country to do a better job of of maintaining and controlling it, other countries that have already bounced back are are being negatively impacted by our inability to flatten that flatten that line. Um, and so that is, it's, it's a living thing. It's going to, it's going to regenerate. It's going to create another version of itself. The flu that you get the vaccine for this year, isn't the same flu that you're getting a vaccine for next year. And so we're going to have to get COVID vaccines as probably as part of a flu booster year over year in order to try and keep it so that, (laughs) that we don't continue to have pandemic numbers that we've had now but we would have those if we didn't have a flu vaccine. So like everyone's like, oh, it's just like the flu. I'm like, but when the flu started, it was this bad. The reason why the flu is not- The Spanish a- flu was a plague a hundred years right. ago. Yeah. The reason why the flu is not that big of a deal now is because <laughs> people are getting vaccines and getting protected against it. Yeah. That makes no sense to me, but hesitate with this isn't isn't a big deal thing about the flu. And I also I'm really kind of stunned at the number of people who are willing to um who are willing to I just saw your daughter. Yeah, she snuck (laughs) up behind me. Scared me. I was like in the middle of making a point and she just popped in behind me. I wish we had that on video for the people. Also, she looked like a ghost because you have a background up. I know. Yeah. Anyway, no, I just I I struggle with this with the flu thing. And and then the same folks are like posting ribbons for things that are not killing that many people too. And I'm like, well, these are comparable and you're being a jerk about one. So the inconsistency is a bit much. Yeah, oh, it's getting dark. We we could talk about this all day, and we are way over our way over time. Minute time. Um, <laughs> so I appreciate our listeners staying with me. I'll just close with this: that if we could get back to fact based conversations and understanding that it's not a negative thing to make some minor self self sacrifices for your not just your friends and family, but for your fellow persons and fellow man and women, that would be a nice, that would be a nice place to get back to do something small, like wearing a mask and and show that you actually care about your fellow humans that are, that are traveling this world with you. So again, thank you to our show partner, Audible. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this, these topics or anything that you might want to discuss in future episodes. So encourage you to follow us on social media. Again, you can find us at Twitter at KDME pod or Instagram at Katie and me podcast. But as always, Katie, so great to see you. And I'm hoping we can get back on a little bit of regular schedule now. You too, Chris and producer Pete, the silent producer Pete. (laughs) Thanks guys. Thanks.